Hope you guys had a good President's Day. Um, wanted to remind everybody that we do have an off week next week because of our missions festival. And um, wanted to return today to the topic of learning to lean and the mini-series that we're doing is Leaning Through Prayer. This is the second week we'll be doing that. Uh, last week we looked at the prayer that Paul wrote in Ephesians 1. And if you'll remember, it talked a whole lot about the eyes of our heart. And I felt like the crux of that prayer, and what most scholars believe is the crux of that prayer, is that the Holy Spirit would flood the eyes of our heart with light so that we could see, so that we could have an accurate picture of who God is and what he said he would do for us, so that we would have a deep wisdom and revelation and understanding and knowing of God. And that's just been Paul's thing. As we've looked at his life, as we've looked at his writings, his main thing in life was to know God. And that's really what discipleship is all about. It's about knowing God. Leaning will happen naturally. It will be a byproduct. It's not like you have to, you know, exercise that muscle so much if you learn to know God. Because the more you learn to know God, then the more you come to trust God. And then the leaning will just kind of come with it if you do it relationally like that. So that's what I hope you're hearing me say week after week is that this is a relational thing. And prayer particularly is the lifeblood of the relationship. Prayer, I don't know. I think there's, as I said last week, um, Paul was probably a man of prayer before he ever met Jesus. And that was sort of a duty thing instead of a beauty thing. That was kind of a little phrase that came to me is that that Prayer, I think, gets a bad, um, not reputation, but it's kind of like nobody really wants to pray because it feels like duty. And I'm just going to say to you guys that let's shake that off. If you're praying out of duty, stop it. I mean, that's all I know to say is let's just wait on God like we just sang about. You know, just sit in his presence and wait on him. So we're going to talk some about that. I think that's what Paul did. I mean, for three years he did that. Remember, he met Jesus on the Damascus Road. Um, the, the Lord took Ananias to him, and he goes, Behold, he prayeth. That's the first thing Paul did. He had practiced so much. He knew the word of God so much. He knew to pray. It's just the first time in his life that he actually was making that heart-to-heart connection with the Lord. And so... It was so transformative, and and I think that time that he took apart for those three years when we see him leave the public scene right after meeting Jesus and devoting himself to prayer, and I'm sure to the Word, um, and letting God just apply the words of the scriptures that he had from the Old Testament and really take them and bring those to life and flood the eyes of his soul with light in such a way that he could see what it really meant and who God really is which changed everything for Paul. Then it became about knowing God. It wasn't about, let's get this right. You know, it became about the relationship. So that's what I'm hoping to communicate through sharing his prayers. Um, I think prayer is leaning on God. I mean, if you will approach God in prayer, you will be leaning. I mean, it's just what it is. And so um, so that's kind of what we did our first week on this little mini-series. I'm going to go now. I'm going to skip over Chapter 2 for the sake of time. I mean, the book of Ephesians would be a fabulous book for us to study sometime. But I really want to go to Chapter 3 today and look at his prayer in Ephesians Chapter 3. I've given you the whole prayer. We will not cover the whole thing. I learned my lesson on that other thing. <laughs> So I'm not going to try to cover this prayer. It's too good to do in one week. So we're going to do half of it this week, and then we will return to it after our break next week on um, March the 7th. We'll come back and do that. But so I I wanted to mention how he um, starts this prayer, because or or the first verse that I'm going to put here for you, that is not actually part of the prayer. But he he makes this statement, and... Uh, Ephesians 3.13, he says, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is for your glory. 
Well, okay, so we talk, remember we talked several weeks back about tribulation. Y'all remember what the word tribulation means? Just a one-word translation? Anybody remember? Pressure? Sound familiar? Squeeze? But pressure causing all that stuff to bubble to the surface and everything? Well, Paul is saying when you have tribulation, when things are hard, when you feel all the things we've been talking about are feelings. Remember, there are emotional clues that when you're feeling discontent, when you're feeling weary, when you're having a hard time believing, when you feel like giving up, what happens is we're going to slip away from leaning and away from communion with God, and we're going to start doing that thing that we have learned to do in life. Life has taught us to cope. And your coping may look different than my coping, but we all have our ways that we learn. And so when we get under that pressure, what can a lot of times happen is we can, as Paul phrases it, lose heart. And that when we are in that place of having lost sight of what's really true about God and what God says is true about all, everything else in life, we are in the position of potentially losing heart. And he's saying, let's don't do that, let's pray. And so he crafts a prayer right here, which I believe is a real good prayer to pray for any of us who have a situation that would tempt us to lose heart. So let's look, starting in verse 14, at the prayer he prays. He goes, for this reason, and we'll talk about the reasons in just a minute. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And how about a great big amen <laughs> on that one. Paul can write, Paul can pray, and this is an awesome prayer, and like I said, it's so awesome, it's worthy of us taking it apart and looking at just, um, just that first half of it. So I wanted to talk back with his comment, because I thought it was very noteworthy that he preceded the prayer with, so don't lose heart, and I wanted us to think about what things scripture tells us are potential heart losers. What, are we, what does the Bible tell us? I've given you scriptures for each of these. Some of them I chose translations that don't exactly say lose heart, but it, it's the same concept. But Paul's already told us in Ephesians 3, tribulation or pressure, life's pressures, waiting is a big one. Uh, and there's a couple of ways to go with waiting. We sang the alternative um, in that song um, that we just sang a minute ago from Isaiah. Uh, chapter 30, strength can rise as we wait upon the Lord. You know, the Bible says it can, but what often happens is what Paul's warning against in Galatians 6, 9. He says, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Guys, I know I've, I've shared with y'all prayer requests I've had for 10 years and more, and sometimes it's easy to think, God, when are you going to move on this? But he's saying, God is faithful. He is going to in the right timing, in the perfect timing. He's going to move. But we've got to be careful not to lose heart in the waiting. So waiting's a biggie. Loneliness from the Psalm, Psalm uh, 69 here, tells us that when we look for sympathy and receive none, when we look for comforters among people and find none, that's a big place that we can lose heart. Rejection um, can cause us to lose heart. Jesus suffered that on our behalf, and um, he can be our inspiration not to lose heart. Physical infirmities, we've looked at this verse in 2 Corinthians 4.15 before. It says, even though our outward man is perishing, 
Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day, so therefore we don't need to lose heart when we have physical infirmities. Grief can be a cause of losing heart. And, um, and then in, enemy attack. Uh, in the Psalm 143 passage, 13 and 14, it says the enemy has made the psalmist dwell in darkness. And um, therefore his spirit was overwhelmed within him and his heart within him was distressed. So that's like losing heart. So the enemy can really try to demoralize us with just constant lies and harassment. And then Jesus says, I, I hope I interpreted this correctly, that prayerlessness can be a reason that we lose heart. It makes sense to me. Let me tell you my thinking behind that. It makes sense to me that when we're prayerless, that means we're not connected. And when we're not connected, then we're not receiving the love and the comfort and the communion and the companionship of Jesus because he's the one that's always there. So if we're not connecting with him in prayer, it's not like you didn't say your prayers today, so, huh. You know, it's not that at all. It's just that we're not getting the nourishment we need. So um, Jesus says, uh, he said it in a parable, and he says uh, in Luke 18, 1, and I use the message because I just thought it spoke it so well. It says, Jesus told them a story showing that it was necessary for them to pray consistently and never quit. So if you will pray consistently, not out of duty, but just because we need it so desperately, because we need him so desperately, then it will be medicine against losing heart. So I hope that comes across as no duty, no, no um, performance, but just to choose. I'm going to choose to strengthen my heart through prayer because that's, that's a privilege that we have. And especially, remember, we've been talking about emotions. We have that pink page with the 317 emotions on it. When you're feeling one of those 317-plus emotions that we can be liable to feel, that may be your cue right there, not only to just pray and draw close to him, but maybe to do some of the kind of praying that we are learning about to say, Lord, now why is it? There's, there's maybe just a more than just today's circumstances that's causing me to sink like a rock here and look beneath the surface because I think he stands at the ready to do that for us. Okay, so that the first thing Paul prays for after he says, let's do not lose heart, he talks about the inner strength that we can receive from the Lord. And he prays that we would be strengthened with mighty power in our inner man by God's spirit. That's always been one of my favorite verses. In fact, I really did put this on a t-shirt one time. Uh, you know, because sometimes we get excited about a phrase or a verse and think, we need to put that on a t-shirt. Well, I actually did that. <laughs> we were right, my mom had had a lot of bad things happen um, in a row. We lost my dad, and then she, like months later, got a breast cancer diagnosis, and thankfully it was a... A, you know, very minor and um, survivable kind of breast cancer. And then they had this um, Susan B. Come and Run for breast cancer that next spring after she'd finished her radiation. And so I got everybody a shirt with Ephesians 3, 16. <laughs> uh, is it 16 or 18, I guess? And it, um, and it said, the world's strongest woman, Mary Yates. <laughs> because she had, done, she had walked through her her season of really a time when she could have lost heart with great strength because she's a woman of prayer. And so we all ran for her. My family ran for her with that pink T-shirt on. And anyway, I, I just love the idea of God strengthening our inner man because whether, I mean, even if you are sick as a dog, even if you're in severe pain, no matter what's going on with your body, you can have inner strength. And, um, and so Paul prays that for our edification and our learning. And he says, remember I mentioned, he starts out in verse 14 with, for this reason. I want to tell you what he's referring to. I read a bunch of commentaries. Most of them believe that he's referring to, it was like, therefore, when there's a therefore, he's referring to something that came before that. So I'm summarizing chapter 2 for you since we're skipping it. And here's one, two, three, four, five, six reasons why, for these reasons. Well, actually, I'm including one from chapter 1 
because we have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. That's the reason that we don't have to lose heart. Every spiritual blessing, that's peace, that's comfort, that's joy, that's love, that's God's presence, and that's, you name it, every blessing that's ours in Christ. That's a reason not to lose heart. Uh, in Ephesians 2, 5, he tells us that he's made us spiritually alive. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were dead spiritually, but God has made us alive just by a prayer, y'all. Think about the power of that one prayer, that when you say, Jesus, yes, I want you to come and be Lord of my life, you go from death to life. That is huge. That is, I mean, like, who can even believe that? But it's what happens. So you think about the power and the strength that he gave us, the strength to go from death to life. That's amazing. That's a reason to get excited about drawing near in prayer. He's given us a new identity. He says in Ephesians 2.10, this is if you have um, any family member. It doesn't have to be a child, but it's one of the prayers I pray for my children over and over. I turn this verse into a prayer. We are, my child is, my husband is, my mother is, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you hear how simple that is? He's already done the work for us. All we do is just join him in it, and that is who we are. We're his workmanship. In the New Living, it says, I think it's the New Living that says, we're his masterpiece. There's only one like you. And God made you, and he designed you in his mind before the foundation of the world. That is a reason not to lose heart and to have inner strength. You've been placed in a new family. I don't know how good or bad your family was, but you got a new one, and I think that's great news. And it said, he says in Ephesians 2.19, you are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So you've got a new family. You've got... Um, which to me ministers to our belonging need, but you also have belonging for this reason in Ephesians 2.22, um, and I'm quoting just the first half of that in J.B. Phillips, in him each separate piece of the building, and Paul's referring to the church and each member as a building, um, properly fitting into his neighbor grows together into a temple consecrated to God. So we belong together our being together, our coming together, our each one doing our thing and being bringing our gifts and our perspectives and our story, it's better. that The whole is better than the parts, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that gives us belonging and, and, and a sense of just what we were made to do. And then God with us in Ephesians 2.22, the second half, and I'm using the expanded Bible, in Christ, you two are being built into a place where God lives through his spirit. That's just kind of mind-boggling to me that God would actually come and make his home with us. But the scriptures tell us that in multiple places, and I think that is a real um, great weapon. When the enemy wants to tell us we're all alone, when the enemy wants to tell us our lives don't matter, when the enemy wants to condemn us for everything we didn't get right. Um, I mean, yeah, but God lives in me. And if I'm feeling weak, I can just turn the eyes of my heart inward and go, Lord, I'm feeling weak. But thank you that the resurrection power of Jesus lives inside of me in the person of the Spirit. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. I think I've said that every single week. It's my birthday verse, so I'll say it again. Romans 8.11, so 8.11. Got it? Okay. Um, anyway, being silly, but that is, you know, that's the way we, you know, when we appropriate anything that God asks us to do, anything. If he says, you know, walk by faith. If he says... Love one another. If he says, pray without ceasing. If he says, do not quench the spirit. If he says, name any of the things he asks you to do. It's through the power of the risen Jesus that you are able to do that. You can't do it. I can't do it. It's the Jesus in me that can do it. And so isn't that great? Do you feel like I can lean into that? I do. I mean, it's like, great, I'm off the hook. He's on the hook. Let's go, Jesus, you know? And um, 
So, um, and then this power or this strength that we're talking about is, I believe, the best way to access it is through prayer. I mean, it's just asking. James says, and I think it's James 4 too, we have not because we ask not. Well, we've really got it, but we don't experience it until we come together and join God in whatever that is he's wanting to walk out through our lives and and do in in partnership with us. And um, so he says in Ephesians 1.19 that we looked at last week, and this is the Amplified, that says that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable, unlimited, surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe. So we access it by faith, y'all. It's by faith that we tap into that, and it takes faith to pray. So we, we enter into his presence by faith. We ask by faith. We receive by faith. And um, it requires surrendering our own strength. And for all of us capable, strong, smart, educated, busy women, that to me is the part that we need to go Hmm, maybe you need a circle and put a star by the word surrender your own strength. <laughs> because as long as we are operating in our own strength, it's really hard to lean into the strength of the Lord and to receive that from Him. So um, it's a trade off. I think it's a really good deal myself. I think I'd way rather have His strength than my own because it's a lot better. But. Um, I love Psalm 62, 7 and 8, which talks about this. And it's just another place to look to see, oh, yeah, that they were talking about this in the Old Testament too. With God rest my salvation and my glory. He is my rock of unyielding strength and impenetrable hardness. And my refuge is in God. Trust in, lean on, love that. Trust in, lean on, rely on, and have confidence in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us, a fortress and a high tower. Say la, pause, and calmly think of that. So do you hear that? The psalmist is saying, pour out your heart before God. He knows it anyway. Bring all those emotions before him and know that he is so strong. He can take every bit of it. And whoever's coming against you, he's stronger than that too. So it's just a, it's a really wonderful thing to know that God is your strength. So that's the inner strength part. We're not going to lose heart because we've got inner strength if we'll tap into that. And then let's talk some more about the indwelling Christ because this is good stuff. So remember, where was Paul when he wrote this letter to the Ephesians? Anybody remember? In prison. Yes, and it was very not pleasant. Um, And I think the way he survived and was able to write these hope-giving, faith-birthing prayers was because he was staying fully present to the presence of the indwelling Christ. I don't know any other way that's even possible. But it the Jesus that was right there in him and with him was just as real to him as that cold floor or that hot floor, whichever season he was writing in. That was just as real to him. And I remember we talked a little bit about Corey Tim Boom last week. I remember uh, reading her story, The Hiding Place, which was her concentration camp years, about how real God was to her then. It was just like Jesus with her was just as real to her as the hunger or the, or the pain or the devastation or the death that was going on around her. That's possible. You know, that, that really is possible. And it's, it's something we grow in, is learning to stay fully present to God's spirit within us. Um, and that's where comfort comes and That's where strength comes. And that's where that communion that we're talking about and that knowing happens. And um, I just wanted to help us in our accepting of this truth that Christ really does dwell in you. I don't know. I just sense that there might be some folks that kind of have a hard time believing that for whatever reason. Maybe because you've been told in life that you weren't worthy 
of whatever thing for whatever reason, or maybe you have a history that wasn't honoring to God. I know I've got some of that in my past, and it would be tempting to think and to lose heart and think, oh, Jesus, yeah, he's probably, he probably doesn't mean that for me because, but y'all, listen to the words of Jesus that he spoke to his disciples right before he went to the cross in John 14, 23, it says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So you got the Spirit dwelling in you. Paul's just written that. you got Jesus coming to make your home, his home with you, and the Father. you got the triune God living inside of you because you belong to him. You're no longer your own. You have been bought with a price. This is what, it's, what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians. So is the truth, it really is the truth, that you have all three persons of the Godhead that dwells in you. And that is an amazing reason to celebrate and to have joy and not to lose heart. And, um, you know, sometimes even though I do believe that's true, I really do believe it, and I, I have gained some measure of, Ability, I guess you might say, I have grown, let me just say it this way, I have grown in my ability to get in touch with God's presence on the inside of me. But sometimes, you know, when I'm tired, when I'm hurting, when I'm discouraged, when I'm disappointed, when I'm discontent, when my circumstances are not going the way I want them to, it's, or waiting, you know, all those things we listed on the front end, when I am still waiting on God to answer my prayer. Sometimes it's tempted, tempting to say, this isn't working, y'all, but it is. And I'm just saying it really is. Remember, do not lose heart, for you will reap if you do not give up. You know, So let's don't give up. Let's encourage one another in that. And... Um, but when we start that path of um, thinking about this isn't working and um, it's taking too long and I probably didn't hear God well or, or, or whatever thing that the enemy would want to tell you to discourage you, um, what is very tempting to do is to, as I mentioned earlier, slip into the old, old patterns of thinking, old patterns of behaving, old patterns of... Um, of not really tuning into God, you might be mad at God. Um, you might be offended with Him, as we said in some earlier lessons. And we want to just be super um, in tune to that because Paul writes in the next chapter a verse that I think it's important for us to um, realize as a potential. You know, if we want to be in touch, if we want to be in communion. Prayer is going to be a great way to do that. If we lose touch with that, here's what Paul says. Ephesians 4.30 in the New Living says, Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So what's he saying there? He's saying when we lose heart and when we slip into our old patterns, it grieves the Holy Spirit. We're not fellowshipping with him. We're not thinking about him. We're not believing what's true in those moments. We're believing a lie in those moments. And that does grieve the Holy Spirit, not in the way that he's going to kick you out of his household or kick you out of the kingdom. Just, it's just, it would be the same way as um, that feeling that you feel when um, somebody very special to you turns their back on you for whatever reason, because of an argument or because of a disagreement or whatever. It's, it's a relationship. So think of it that way, that, that it's that kind of grief. And um, so I'm just encouraging us that when that happens, and y'all, we're human, it will happen. And it's okay because God's made a provision. I didn't have the whole verse listed here, but I made a, a note of the reference. Let's just ask him to forgive us. And you know what? If we need to forgive him, Theologically speaking, God doesn't need to be forgiven, 
but emotionally sometimes we need to release forgiveness toward God and say, God, I was so mad at you. I was so disappointed that this didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Would you please forgive me for my unbelief? Would you forgive me for the words I spoke? Would you forgive me for whatever it is you did that wasn't honoring to God and that wasn't birth by faith? First John 1, 9 is the reference. And what it says is, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So how much of our unrighteousness does he cleanse us of? All. Yeah, every bit of it that handles it, you're done. You're back in fellowship. And, you know, the beat yourself up, the... Uh, feel guilty for a week, the I feel timid and ashamed to come before him. That's a waste of time. Let's just skip that part, okay? Because it's not fruitful, it's not helpful. And then if in that process of losing heart or grieving the Holy Spirit, if we have grieved somebody else, if we have taken offense at somebody else, if somebody else is the person that we believe started this whole mess in the beginning and we have some forgiving to do, let's do that. So also in chapter 4, Paul writes these words, the, the next two verses. He says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So what does he say in there? I remember when I taught this a long time ago uh, from the New American Standard, Standard, it says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice be put away from you. And so I called it beeswax. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander. And I didn't count the malice, but anyway, beeswax. So let all those negative emotions be put away from you. That's what he's saying. Let it. Let means choose. Choose to say, okay, God, Jesus in me, Holy Spirit in me, inner strength that you're giving me. I don't have the strength. In fact, I had that happen this week. I was so peeved with a person in my life. I was so, I couldn't get over it. Every morning when I woke up, it was right there in my face. And it was like, I know what to do. But it's like I tried to forgive this person. I tried to forgive this person. I tried to forgive this person. And the, the feeling was still there. And so I'm, I finally just said, Lord, I'm so tired of feeling offended and hurt at this person. What? And you know what? The Lord showed me. I mean, I just got really still and quiet, and I thought, I am not moving off of this place. I have, by faith, chosen to forgive this person. I prayed through the steps of putting these negative emotions away, and it's still bubbling up what's going on here. And so the Lord reminded me I'd done the same thing to them that they had done to me, and I went, God, you're so funny. So I had to, I had amends to make. I had to get my phone out and say, hey, you know, and then take care of the thing I had fallen short in. So I'm just saying, stay at it until your emotions catch up with the faith step you're taking of forgiving. So let all those negative emotions be put away from you. And then by faith, by that inner strength of the Holy Spirit within you, where that's how you're going to be kind to one another, tender-hearted to one another, and that's how the forgiveness is accomplished. He does it. Not we. We just follow Him by faith. We appropriate that by faith. So that's if you get in one of these. I've lost heart. I've lost touch. I feel like giving up. I feel like you know, uh, this is not working, then those are some spot checks you may want to do of saying, have I slipped over into my old ways? Let me handle that. Have I taken on an offense with an individual? I need to handle that as well. And so then we're back in right standing with God. And so, um, yeah, we do every bit of that by prayer, don't we? Kind of hard to handle all that stuff if we're not praying. So does that, I hope that you're seeing that prayer is not like, let me get my list out of all the sick people at church. Although I do pray for sick people at church. There's nothing wrong with praying for somebody's surgery or 
you know, somebody who's grieving, definitely let's do that. As the Spirit leads us, do that. But I'm saying let's handle our relationship with the Lord through prayer. That's really what the essence of prayer is. Um, so I hope that I hope that's feeling right to y'all. I hope y'all are connecting with that. I hope you're trying it at home. Um, I wanted to give a testimony about prayer and some of these concepts that we've been talking about. And I wanted, I'm going to have to go back to a little backstory. This happened, this little testimony happened during our uh, holiday break, but I'm going to need to go back to the summer to kind of bring you up to speed about how this all played out. So I, um, was praying for two sick individuals. So I'm saying I do that. I'm not saying don't do that. But anyway, my husband's been practicing law in the same law firm for decades. And so he's had this, the guys that are around his age have been also practicing there for decades. And so he's really close to these men that he works with. And of course, I become friends with their wives and families and that kind of thing. And so we had not one but two lawyers that are senior partners with my husband that had health, I guess you'd say both of them had a health crisis this summer. And so I did what I do. I, in the summertime, especially in be- on beautiful days, I like to go outside. I like to take my Bible. I like to take my journal. I'll ta- Of course, I'm taking my coffee and my water, and I'm just sitting out there, and I'm just talking to Jesus. And yes, my neighbors think I'm weird, and sometimes I do it in my house coat, uh, robe, etc. You know what? Y'all are welcome to come by. You may find me there. Um, but anyway, so I'm outside that day, and I this was heavy on my heart. You know, I did my personal connection with the Lord, but it was like, oh, Lord, I really, this is heavy on my heart. So we had one guy who had had a sudden cardiac event, and he was in ICU on a ventilator, and it was like, oh, Jesus, this is so heavy. Uh, you know, I'm just thinking about how that must feel for his family, and I, I just need to pray about this. And then there was another guy that had um, had a cancer diagnosis several years ago, and he went back for like a checkup, and he had a suspicious thing happen. I'm not even really sure the details of it, but we were waiting on test results for that other guy. We'll say partner number two, we'll call him. And so I'm out there, and... You know, one of the verses that's a real comfort in my prayer life that I've learned is Romans 8, 26, and I think I mentioned it last week, and it says, we don't know how to pray as we should, but the Holy Spirit prays for us. So I'll just say, Lord, would you pray Romans 8, 26 prayers through me? Lord, Spirit, what's the prayer on your heart for this? Because I know he knows how to pray. Bless you. And then... um, Another verse that I learned early in my uh, years of discipleship is one that is very instructive in my prayers, and it's uh, Isaiah 50, verse 4, and it says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples. Okay, this is a messianic passage that is speaking of Jesus. So listen to Jesus say this to us. Well, Jesus is saying about his Father, the Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples, that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. So you feeling weary? You feeling pressed? Pressure? Tribulation? Are you tempted to lose heart? Jesus knows the word you need to hear to sustain you. And he speaks to our spiritual ears that way. And it goes on to say, he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. And so we get to do what he did. Jesus, you saw him early in the morning. It doesn't have to be early in the morning. It could be in the middle of the day or late at night. But you have the ability to sit down and say, Lord, would you counsel me? Would you... Um, give me a word that would sustain me in this place. Um, Would you awaken my ear to listen as a disciple? A disciple is just a learner. And so I ask God, I say, Lord, is there something particular you want to speak to me? And I've got my Bible in my hand. Uh, Do I always have him turn me to a scripture? No, he doesn't always do that. But a lot of times what I'll do is I'll go talking about 
praying prayers that are in the scripture, a lot of times I'll just go to the book of Psalms and I'll just start in the Psalms and I'll just start praying through or reading out loud or reading to myself what's written out there because there's so much of life. There's so many emotions there. There's so many prayers there until something lands, until I think, okay, here we go, here we go. This is ministering to the place in me. I don't know how I got to Psalm 118 that particular day when I'm praying for these two sick men, but the Lord landed me on Psalm 118. And in verse, I was in my Amplified Bible, and what this verse said, and I read it in my journal, and it says, I sh and that's why we always need to keep a journal, y'all, because you can go back. Yesterday, I'd sort of forgotten God did this. I think this is a really good testimony, and it, and I'd forgotten he did it, you know. So anyway, I was looking back and saying, Lord, what testimony? Show me, you know, awaken my ear on what testimony? And so I was looking back, and I went, oh, my gosh, that's a great testimony. So anyway, he takes me to Psalm 118, and I'm just reading through there going, oh, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. And then I get to this. It says, I shall not die but live and shall declare the works and recount the illustrious acts of the Lord. And I go, oh, God, what are you saying? Okay, now let me just tell you what I didn't do. I didn't say, well, that's it. Both of these guys are going to not die but live, and they're going to tell the illustrious deeds of the Lord. I did not do that. I said, oh, Father, what an amazing verse. Please show me how, you know, tell me where can I appropriate this? Where, what can I believe you for in this verse? I, I want to step out with as much faith as I possibly can, I want to ask for everything that my heart desires. So did I pray this? I said, Lord, my heart's desire would be that both of these men would live and not die and that they would tell the illustrious deeds that you do for them. Lord, would you do that? I asked from my own heart. That was my prayer. I was pouring my heart out before the Lord as we read a minute ago. But then I stopped and I said, but Lord, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Will you tell me? How, is there anything you want, want me to know about this verse? Is there any, you know, I want to apply it to this situation. So I pictured, I went to the hospital room in my mind of this man, the law partner number one on a ventilator. And I said, Lord, I really want, really want to ask, would you heal him that he would not die but live? And it was like I had zero faith to pray that. Now, I don't know. I mean, I'm not assuming because I have zero faith to pray it what's going to happen. I'm just saying, I'm just going to report to you. I didn't have much energy to pray that, honestly. But I just said, well, I'm going to ask. But I kind of in my heart thought, mm, I don't think that's what's ha going to happen here. But we'll see, okay, because I don't know. I'm just the prayer, not the one that answers the prayer right. So then I go to the law partner number two, the one that had a cancer scare. And I said, Lord, can I pray this? I would like to pray this for this gentleman. And I prayed that he would not die but live and that he would declare the illustrious deeds of the Lord. And I kind of, honestly, y'all, I'm going to tell you what I did. I assumed it was for him because I didn't have faith for the other guy. So I assumed, oh, it's for him. Oh, that's so exciting. Well, guess what? We had dinner with him that weekend, and the test came back. I mean, like, good. I'm thinking, all right, God, that's so amazing. That's so exciting. Oh, you gave me that verse, and you did it. That's so exciting. Okay, so fast forward to November, and, you know, I don't know what God's doing. May, I, he may have told, you know, a thousand people the illustrious deeds of the Lord in this, like, however many months that is from July to November. But I'm going to tell you what happened in November he got sick one weekend. They thought it was like a stomach bug or something. He went in the hospital, and he never came out. He died. I mean, he just died just like that, like within two or three weeks or something. And so it was in the backdrop of that season. that I, I Did I feel like God betrayed, like, oh, my gosh, God, I thought you said, no, I did. And I just thought, well, maybe that was true for however many months that was. I, anyway, I still love that verse. Thank you for giving it to me. It was such a comfort at the time. And now my work is to ask you, how do I pray for the people that are left? You know, how to pray for my husband who's just lost two friends, how to pray for the law firm who was too short, how to pray for his children, etc. You know, so that, that was kind of my work then. Okay, then I'm going to give you the 
to me what is the spectacular part of the story is so then right during this season where we're like feeling very mortal here I mean it's like okay there too many people are getting bad diagnosis and it's just you know a little bit oppressive and so I go to my um eye doctor office for just a regular checkup and they took way too long and then the doctor comes in and says Kathy you have a spot on your eye that wasn't there before and I'm thinking oh great and so I mean y'all I'm just going to tell you that a cold stab of fear went through my body I was like thinking okay I'm going to be the next one that they're going to be having a funeral for okay well great okay I'm gonna to have to go where does it do what okay and so I went to this retina specialist to look at this spot on my eye can I just say waiting 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 fear 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 and Bob said I'm going he was scared so we go to this clinic and they took like forever that was the long, I don't know how long we were there, but it felt like about seven hours. I think we were there probably two and a half hours. They did more tests on my eye. They retested my eye. They took me back for a third time to do this particular test on my eye. And then they put this thing up on the screen and showed me this thing like as big as that microphone on my eye. And I'm going, okay, this is it. I'm going to die. That's it. I know what's going to happen. I'm probably going to die now. Because I have a friend who has ocular cancer vein. Imagination's out the wazoo. Um, but I forgot to tell you the most important part of this. Is so while I'm waiting, while I'm tempted to lose heart, while I'm terrified, while I'm trying not to think about this, I said, Lord, you know, I sat down in my prayer place and I said, Lord, I want to ask you, please let this cup pass for me. I don't, I'm not ready to go. I've got things I want to do. I've got people I want to, you know, you've given me this, this, and this promise or or were those not right either, you know? And um, and so I just said, Lord, can you just give me something for today? And the verse that popped in my head, it was a Bible verse, which is mainly what the way the Lord speaks to me. The way he gives me the ear of a disciple is through a scripture he reminds me of. And the verse that came to my mind was, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I went, Okay, I can do that, Lord. Yes, that's a fabulous verse. I am going to do that today. I praise you that I'm alive today. I praise you that the sun's shining today. I praise you that all my people are around me today. I praise you that I have salvation. I praise you that if I do die, I'm going to heaven when I die. So I was doing that. I was being glad in the Lord, and that just gave me what I needed for that day. And it was like I felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit. Why don't you look that one up? So I thought, okay, and I looked it up. And I go to the psalm, and this was so many months later, I forgot. It was in Psalm 118. So I just read, start reading at the top of the psalm with verse 1. And I start reading, start reading, start reading. I get to verse 17, and it says, I shall not die, but live and tell the deeds and the illustrious acts of the Lord. And I just went, oh! And I thought, God, was that for me? All the time? Were you, did you that many months ago give me that verse? And I thought, well, I mean, I want to believe that, but then look what happened to partner number two, so I don't know. <laughs> but what I did, but what I didn't, you know, I didn't assume, but I said, okay, Lord, this is a, a great verse, and you've given it to me two times in just the minute I needed it. So I'm just going to ask, will you do that? And I'm going to trust you either way. I'm going to give you thanks and be glad in the Lord either way. So I get to the doctor after all that. I'm telling you, do you know that sweat that smells bad? Not the, not the kind that you have. Nervous sweat smells worse than, than athletic sweat, in my opinion. I, Bob and I both smell like that in the doctor's appointment. It was bad. But anyway, they finally, after all those tests and making me hold my head in a weird place and leaving me in a dark room by myself, they came, the doctor came in and said, well, Kathy, I think you're fine. You know, I, I, we would like to recheck you just to make sure, you know, uh, this time next year, but I think you're going to be fine. You're fine to go. You're free to go. And I, I said, that's it? And he goes, yeah, that's it. And so I go tell Bob, and he's, I mean, white as a sheet. He is sitting there going, what happened? 
I said, I'm fine. And he's like, oh. You know, so, so anyway, I'm just telling you, that's an example of what your prayer life can look like when you are really tapping into the, to the indwelling Christ, letting him flood your eyes with light, letting him instruct your ears. And whether I die of ocular cancer or not, y'all, I mean this, I may yet die of ocular cancer, but what I do know today is I have received the comfort of the Lord by his presence and by his love and by the fact that he loves me enough to take the time to communicate with me about this whole thing. And I can say, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice today because today I'm still alive. So that, I hope that kind of gives you some idea of what it can look like for you. And I'm just going to close in prayer and y'all can write your one thing and we'll go talk about it some more in our groups. So, Lord, I just, um, Lord, I do declare your illustrious deeds. You are an amazing God. You're an amazing God. You're a God who takes every one of our sins and you bury it in the depths of the sea and you remember it no more. You take it as far as the east is from the west, Lord, that you are a God that is so full of grace and mercy that you call us your very own children. You adopt us into your household. You tell us that we can call you Abba Father that Jesus is our elder brother, and that you've come, Father, Son, and Spirit, to make your home inside our hearts. How amazing you are, Lord. I stand amazed in your presence today. And I just declare you as a God worthy of my worship, worthy of my trust, worthy of my praise, worthy of me setting aside my emotions and leaning on you, Lord. Thank you for being the only one that I can count on and any of us can count on 100% of the time. Lord, I pray that you would protect us against losing heart, that you would remind us, Lord, of all you've done for us and all that you stand uh, ready, Lord, to give us through your word and by your spirit. Lord, I pray for each woman that's listening. I pray that you would give her ears and awakening that she would hear from you by your spirit through your word Lord that she would feel more and more able to know you and be fully present to the indwelling Jesus and that Lord that would be the source of inner strength that would surmount and surpass anything that we're called to face in this world Lord thank you thank you for who you are thank you for the example Paul leaves for us in in the word of God and Lord I pray that we would imitate him and that we would imitate you, Jesus, that we would not be prayerless, but that we would um, come to you and seek you in our prayer closets, Lord. And just as we go throughout the day, thank you that you're with us always. So, Lord, we just lift you up, we honor you, and you, I pray, Lord, you would just draw us ever closer to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen.